This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, October 25th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, National Trends of Suicidal Ideation and Mental Health Services Use Among U.S. Adults with Opioid Use Disorder, 2009-2020, to is in The Lancet. The survey found that the prevalence of individuals with opioid use disorder who reported suicidal ideation increased significantly from 22% in 2009 to 29% in 2020. The subgroups reporting the most significant changes included young adults, females, non-Hispanic whites, people working full-time, individuals with Medicaid, people living in large metropolitan areas, and those who had another substance use disorder. Over half of those with opioid use disorder and suicidal ideation reported having needed mental health treatment in the past year and not receiving it. Next is a study in JAMA Network Open titled Impact of Vaping Prevention Advertisements on U.S. Adolescents. In this randomized clinical trial, real-cost vaping prevention advertisements reduce susceptibility to vaping compared with control videos. Real-cost advertisements also reduce susceptibility to smoking cigarettes compared with control videos. These findings suggest that vaping prevention advertisements reduce the extent to which youth were open to vaping and also had beneficial effects on cigarette smoking outcomes. A new article in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs is titled Lifetime Alcohol Use Trajectories and Health Status Among Persons Living with HIV. This cohort study examined the impact of alcohol use on geriatric comorbidities among persons living with HIV in New Orleans between 2015 and 2017. The study found that alcohol consumption increased significantly between the teen years and midlife before declining through ages 50 to 60. Persons with higher starting points of alcohol consumption showed worse mental health and social experiences at study baseline. A steeper increase in volume of alcohol consumption after ages 10 through 20 was associated with worse health-related quality of life, greater frailty, and comorbidities. Next, we have an article in the Harm Reduction Journal titled Naloxone Administration by Law Enforcement Officers in New York State. In response to the opioid epidemic and increasing overdose mortality, efforts have been made to increase distribution of naloxone in the community. In New York State, those efforts included providing law enforcement with training and naloxone to use as first responders. In this study, the authors evaluate program outcomes from 2015 to 2020. During that period, law enforcement documented providing naloxone to over 9,000 individuals, with 87% confirmed to survive and 6.9% deceased. In 86% of cases, law enforcement was the first to arrive on the scene, and the average wait for EMS arrival was 5.95 minutes. While there may be concerns about law enforcement response to overdoses, this study across rural, suburban, and urban settings demonstrates the potential of these programs to save lives. A new article in JAMA Pediatrics is titled, The Continued Rise of Unintentional Ingestion of Edible Cannabis in Toddlers. THC-infused edibles, such as gummies, resemble children's candy, 
and inappropriate storage places young children at risk of ingestion and toxic effects. In this article, the authors call for immediate action to change the current trajectory of unintentional pediatric ingestion of edible cannabis products. Pediatric clinicians are at the forefront of this crisis. Standardized screening tools are practical for pediatric injury prevention. Use of these would provide opportunities to identify, intervene, and prevent future unintentional ingestions for children at risk. Advocacy to protect children is also required, focusing on packaging, doses, and forms of cannabis that are being sold. The next article, titled Transforming Managements of Opioid Use Disorder with Universal Treatment, is in the New England Journal of Medicine. This article notes that only a small percentage of people with opioid use disorder receive medications for opioid use disorder. The authors list six proposals to improve access. First, by increasing medications for opioid use disorder content in medical education. Second, by increasing availability of low-threshold buprenorphine access with flexible scheduling and no requirement for counseling. Third, by improving access to telemedicine for medications for opioid use disorder, which, during COVID, has shown encouraging treatment retention and decreases in opioid use. Fourth, provide medications for opioid use disorder for people incarcerated. Fifth, by addressing social detriments of health. And finally, by taking steps to reduce stigma, both in healthcare and the community. Our next article is in the New England Journal of Medicine titled Repealing State Drug Paraphernalia Laws, The Need for Federal Leadership. President Biden's 2022 State of the Union address called for expansion of syringe service programs as part of a plan to address drug overdoses. However, many state laws present barriers to syringe service programs, outlawing the possession of syringes and fentanyl test strips. The authors call for a full overhaul of state drug paraphernalia laws, which could be facilitated by making this overhaul a condition of federal grants, as well as an expungement of records for paraphernalia crimes. Our final article is published by the CDC, titled, Notes from the Field, Antihistamine Positivity and Involvement in Drug Overdose Deaths. As antihistamines, particularly H1 subtypes, of anticholinergic effects, including sedation, the authors evaluate the prevalence of antihistamine involvement in overdose deaths. Utilizing the State Unintentional Drug Overdose Reporting System, the authors evaluated over 92,000 overdose deaths from 2019 to 2020 and found that 14.7% were antihistamine positive during postmortem and 3.6% reported antihistamine as a cause of death. Most antihistamine deaths involved co-involved opioids, while antihistamine involvement could reflect appropriate use for allergies or unknowing use from adulteration, it is important to be aware of this potential risk. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ACM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.